We're giving people the glitz and glamour gospel, which is how to be prosperous, how to slay your haters, how to be popular amongst people and how to look like you have Jesus, but not actually have him. You're listening to The Traditional Millennial with Brittany Dotson, where conventional meets contemporary and faith fills the gaps. Welcome back to another episode of The Traditional Millennial. So we're just going to jump right into this thing today. Um, got a little story for y'all. So I was standing in line at the bank one day, and this this has been a while, but this young girl was standing in front of me or behind me. I, mean, I don't know. The details I'm not sure of, but it doesn't matter. But she was on the phone talking to someone, and I was kind of ear hustling a little bit. And I heard her say uh, something to the effect of, I'm getting my life right with God, and I'm working on my relationship with Him I've just been doing this on my own because you don't have to go to church to have a relationship with God. You know, I spend time with God and I work on my relationship with God for myself. So the super apologist in me wanted to come out and say something, you know, but the spirit said, this is not your fight today. Just deposit your money and go your butt home. But, But that really caused me to go into deep study mode and examine one, is this true? And two, why are so many people, especially millennials, latching on to the idea that church isn't important? So the question today is, can you be saved and not go to church? Or the questions, can you be saved and not go to church? Is church a mandate for the Christian believer? Why were churches established in the Bible in the first place? And are they necessary? Are they still necessary apart from being obligatory? So when we look at the New Testament church, it it was very important in God's program. The New Testament church is the focal point of God's program because in the church, that's where we see God's purposes come together, especially in Acts. We, We see the opportunity to discover develop uh, and express spiritual gifts, which in turn builds up the body of Christ. So in Acts 2, uh, 42 and 46, it says this, and they voted them and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts in 1 Corinthians 11, 17 and 18, it says, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe that in part, 1 Corinthians 14, 26 through 40, I'm not going to read all those verses. That's a lot. Talks about like singing and speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues and presenting lessons and revelations, a whole host of things. So, When we look at the various passages which describe the meeting of the church, we see that there was a great variety in kinds of participation and activity in which like the saints would engage in in the church, but they went is the point. We know that there was singing like in Ephesians and Colossians, and then there was prayer in Acts and 1 Timothy, and there was teaching. That's also in Acts. Um, There was discipline. That's over in Matthew and then there was the reading of scripture that that's in first Corinthians in the first Corinthian letter. And there, there was also taking part in collecting money. Dun, dun, dun. That's what some people just do not like to hear it, but it's there. It's in the Bible. It's in the word. We, we see it in Acts and we also see it in, in first Corinthians as well. So it, it, it's there. But in the early church, there was, there was also exercising 
exercising of gifts, of the gift of gifts of gift of tongues. Like I'm getting tongue tied here, can't talk. But they exercise the gift of tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. Uh, but again, they still went, y'all. And this was during a time where COVID couldn't light a match to the consequence consequences or reward, rather, they would see it as rewards that that they could and did face for just preaching, teaching, defending, and obeying the word of God. Like we we hold special prayer meetings now. We hold prayer meetings. We have intimate home Bible studies. We have missionary conferences, and we're all that's all within the bounds of biblical principles. But we cannot neglect the fact that these meetings do not take precedence over the regular meeting of the church. So Paul, in his first letter to Timothy in chapter four. He was addressing the fact that some people would depart from the faith because they would be deceived and would believe lies. And then he started to talk about what a good rooted servant of Jesus would do. Um, In verses 11 through 13, he says, command and teach these things, which these things are the things that he mentioned beforehand. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. So let's break this down uh, just just real quick. So he said, set the believers an example, which are people who subscribe to the same faith and belief system as you, right? But how can you set an example for people whom you never see? Now, when it comes to the unbelievers, the the example that they see, you may set it very well outside of the four walls of the church building. It could be at work, could be at the grocery store, it could be at the mall, but believers see other believers where other believers are and should be. So I'm going to use this as an example. Uh, I'm a member of of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, Theta Mu Chapter 2006, spring 2006 to be exact, okay? Miss America. Uh... But right, anyway, that was just like so off the t- off subject. It was kind of tangential, just a little bit. Anyway, I don't wear letters anymore, so not too much. So if I didn't tell you or you didn't already know me, you wouldn't know that I was an AKA. You would presume, but you wouldn't know. But say, for instance, I saw some women in Old Navy one day and we were just really talking. You know, we were at the register because it was taking them forever to ring us up. So we just got to know each other really well. But but we still didn't know that we were sorors. So let's say these same women I saw in Old Navy were at a chapter meeting that I attended. Then and only then would they be able to identify with me as a soror. Hence, we could then extend to one another greetings and information and privileges that only come with being a part of the sisterhood. So the same thing goes for believer for believers. Now, am I saying that you will not be able to recognize other believers? That no, you should absolutely be able to recognize those who are a part of the body of Christ because we are to be examples and be a light in the world everywhere. That's not what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is is that. You're setting if you're setting the believers an example, then you have to be around believers in order to set examples to believers because we may not see like those, that person that you may meet in the grocery grocery store. You may not see them again to be able to set an example. You may just see them in the line and you, they may just say, have a blessed day to the cashier. And you might assume that they're a believer. But did you really set an example? Did they even see you? Um, they may not have. So 
That that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we aren't going to be believers outside of the church or set an example to other believers outside of the church, but you absolutely can. It's just we got to go to a place where other believers are um, to set sometimes set lasting examples. So back to that scripture. So we're still breaking it down. So it says the reading to the devote yourself to the public reading. And, and that was the public reading of scripture in the congregation. That was a practice that they bar- borrowed from the synagogue service when they publicly read the law and the prophets to the people that were assembled. Um, and then he says, devote yourself to exhortation. So exhortation is the means to encourage or, or present warnings um, and, and the promises of God to excite and provoke people to the call of action of their duty. Um, so this deals with getting in people's feelings. <laughs> Ultimately, that's what you're doing. Um, and then also it, it says to teaching. And so to the teaching or to doctrine is to publicly appeal to the understanding of the audience or, or the hearers. So if this was the assignment then given by one of the apostles of Christ, then apparently there has been a disconnect between the early church and the mindset of believers today. Because remember, if we are claiming to be Christians, that means that we are Christ followers, which means we commit to adhere to the teachings of Christ, which we get from the word of God. So basically we do what the Bible says do in a nutshell. And if the church was given in the Bible, then, and the word is God and God doesn't change, then that means that he still needs us to go to church. <laughs> and it's, and if that's not enough to convince you, then like maybe just reflect back on the WWJD movement, the what would Jesus do movement and just do what Jesus did. Like, <laughs> that's it. Just, just do that. Because in Luke 4 and 16, it says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. So that's what he did. We can just do what he did. Now, maybe don't get up to read anything. Just listen, but go. <laughs> the truth is, if you are saved though, and the good news of Jesus Christ has captured your heart to the point that you want more of him, then you would want to go wherever you could to encounter him, to just bask in the presence of his glory as other believers share their gifts and their Christ experiences. You would want to learn of him and embrace others who have that same zeal. So where is the disconnect between the church and millennials? What has happened between then and now that has us, and don't get me wrong, not just us, it's some baby boomers and, and those older than millennials um, and younger who share the same sentiments. But what has happened that has us not wanting to experience God corporately with other believers? What about the local church has driven us to a place that we experience more pleasure in the confines of our own homes than we do like just surrounded by God's glory and sharing in other spiritual experiences and gifts with other believers so much so that the glory of God fills the room and makes us forget everything we left at home. So what is it? What is it? Um, two, two problems that I can observe just when looking at this disconnect, they, they come up, it comes up in Romans actually, but um, I, I just believe it, it is something missing in today's message that is keeping people from wanting God and wanting to learn about God. 
Like we're giving people the glitz and glamour gospel, which is how to be prosperous, how to slay your haters, how to be popular amongst people and how to look like you have Jesus, but not actually have him instead of giving people the actual biblically based scripturally inerrant gospel. We're compromising the message, y'all. We're misinterpreting scripture and we're seeking a crowd instead of the cross. Like, like people don't get the living word and the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ that actually lives and breathes life into their dead and sinful flesh and osmotically just transforms our very nature to one that is Christ-like. We don't, we don't get that. We're catering to the sick flesh of man that if allowed, will stay sick. No matter what you medicate it with, because the appetite of the flesh is insatiable. It's never satisfied. So our churches are giving people worldly, temporal satisfaction instead of giving them Christ. Which, you know, who when, when, he's, when we sincerely receive the spirit that lives within us, it quickens us and brings us to life so that we never hunger or thirst for anything else again. We truly get to experience the glory of the Lord. But instead, we treat we treat church like a business or like Broadway. So when people leave, they have nothing to hold and sustain them, which then causes them to think that they don't need what they should have been going to church for in the first place, which is the Lord. So, so nowadays, people just come in. They're coming for the coffee shop, the production set up, the picnic and the concert. <laughs> and after all this is said and done, we're left to define our own relationship and way of learning about and relating to God. You know, Romans 10 and 3 lays this out. It says, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Now, while Paul did reference Israel here, there's a lot we could unpack and dig into with it that is absolutely necessary and applicable to believers now, but we won't we won't do that because of time. But in looking at this verse, something that we can conclude is that rather than living by faith in God, the Jews, who he's who he's, who he was referring to, in addition to God's law, they established their own customs and they tried to make themselves acceptable in God's sight with their own customs and traditions. So uh, they weren't they weren't work they were working. But with no faith in God and the power of salvation needed to keep them that only comes through total submission to Christ. Now, nowadays, these people become your pastors, your preachers, your evangelists, your leaders, and they end up teaching others the gospel that's not biblical. Even though we are all individually accountable for our own souls, sometimes we've established a righteousness of our own because of an, an inadequate presentation of the law of God that we've been given. So we haven't been properly led to God in the first place. But this passage also brings me to, to the next problem that, that I've observed is that people, people don't want God the way God says they should want him. Now, how are we going to redefine the terms of the one who gave the terms and then claim that we're worshiping the one whose terms we want to change? It doesn't make sense. Again, we got to make it make sense, y'all. Either do it his way or become idolatrous in your worship. Because what it boils down to is that you are now changing the terms of the agree of the agreement, which means that you didn't like what was required of the agreement because it didn't suit your wants, which says to God, I am superimposing my standards over yours. And now I need you to concede to me 
as if I'm the one who needs to be worshipped and not the one worshipping. It simply boils down to the idea that we want to do what we want to do and we misinterpret and we exegete and eisegete scripture inaccurately. So this causes us to then back to back to Romans 10 and 3. It causes us to establish our own righteousness because we don't want to submit to God. So even in going through the rituals and the ceremonies of studying at home and holding a service at home on your own terms, based on your law and, you know, based on whatever it is that that you consider meritorious or, or even the law of the land, like we saw with COVID, is God really accepting what you are offering based upon what he has designed already for us as believers. So if we look at verse two, it says they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So for some, the passion and the concern for things pertaining to God's honor and law is there. We just haven't converted it into valid insight or enlightenment into God's plan for providing his righteousness. You know, I was listening to, Jackie Hill Perry talking about learning and intelligent fools. And she was saying that even a teacher is a student because you cannot teach what you don't know. And that's so true. If you are never in a setting to learn, to be taught, instructed, corrected, challenged, and exposed to a deeper knowledge and understanding of God, then how can you teach someone else? Because that's the point. We're making disciples, right? So you don't even know the ins and outs of the content that you're presenting to others. It's just like going to school, graduating, getting a degree in a specialized field of study or taking up a trade, uh, studying it and mastering it in order to go out into society and be valuable. If you aren't instructed, then how can you show someone else the way or even carry out your assignment? You know, Proverbs 12 and 1 says, whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. So part of wanting to learn is wanting to be taught. And part of being taught is being willing to accept correction and to learn from the wisdom of other people, which is what the church is here for as it concerns the believer. Proverbs 1 and 7 also says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So our yearning and our commitment to get to know the Lord is a direct reflection of how we respect or how much we respect and revere him, right? So if we respect and revere the Lord, then that will prompt us to get to know him. And we will, we have to hear from those who have been called by him to teach us. So they would be the Timothys and the Pauls of our day sent here to instruct us on how to become Timothys and Pauls in order to continue to be fruitful or to be effective and multiply, be fishers of men and produce other disciples so that we can continue to churn out other Timothys and Pauls, right? So, you know, it's imperative that that we really grab onto this so that we can truly be effective in ministry. You know, God is an infinite being, so there is no way we will ever be in a position to stop learning, studying, and being taught about God. Not everyone is given a great degree of apostolic anointing, um, and not everyone is given the best spiritual spiritual gifts. You know, Paul says, covet these, like, want those, yearn for those, but not everyone is given those. So we have to continuously, 
I can't talk. We have to continuously be guided and be in a place where where we we can learn and we can grow. You know, even pastors and preachers and evangelists, they all have to stay in a position to learn. And sometimes in their case, that's from other believers around them. But a longing to get to know the who behind all the fuss will made motivate you to go to places that will satisfy your longing and increase your knowledge of him so that you can influence those around you. You know, I just want to leave you with this um, scriptural reference to think about. It's one that, that we see all the time that people use all the time to get to try to get people to go to church and motivate people to go to church. But um, just maybe think on this and meditate on it and possibly study it. But it's Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. All right, y'all, that is a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and make sure you connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at Brittany Dotson Music. I almost messed up my name there. I always almost messed it up like I don't know it, but it's at Brittany Dotson Music. Twitter is I am BD Music. I would absolutely love to hear from you and be sure to tune in next week for a new episode. Again, thanks for hanging out with me today on the traditional millennial where conventional meets contemporary and faith fills the gaps. <laughs>